0: Hello and welcome back to The Adamson's Versus, my name is James Adamson, I hope you're all well and enjoyed our last episode, The Adamson's Versus, The Sex Trafficking Internet Personality. A lovely warm welcome to my co-host, also called James Adamson. Hello everyone. So, Dad, what are we talking about this month?
1: So this month, our, our episode is called yeah. "The Adamsons versus the BBC," and they've, uh, while they obviously do a lot of news among their other broadcasting, they've also been in the news a fair bit with a number of big incidents. Um, and we thought that <clears throat> that you know that that high-profile sort of spat that they had and some of the underlying issues that it's revealed was worth us discussing. So we're going to talk about how the BBC's been having a few troubles lately. Um, so really, this comes down to Gary Lineker, doesn't it, mate?
0: Yes, uh, an unlikely, I suppose likely and unlikely point of contention with the BBC would be Gary Lineker, because he's been in trouble for his tweets in the past. And I think he's either deleted them or kind of come out and said, look, I should be a bit more careful with this impartiality stuff. But this time he was like, no, go fuck yourself.
1: Yeah, what's also interesting about it is that last time there were complaints about Gary Lineker's Mm -hmm. tweets, and also a couple of other people, one is... um, that guy who does spring watch, the environmental guy, he um, he gets a lot of like flack off right-wingers because he has the temerity to say that we're having a few problems with the environment and we're not allowed to say that. Um, what's that guy's name? Chris Packham. And similarly, Andrew Neil, which is a more kind of uh, challenging one, if you ask me. Uh, Andrew Neil, who actually has, in the past, he's not there anymore, but presented BBC Kind of news and political content where impartiality is perhaps more important than when you're presenting the football he you know he's he's a Tory and he on, on he doesn't express his opinions while he's while he's at the BBC he tends to just do his job interviewing people but you know on Twitter he says his opinions and his opinions are of one political particular side and in all of those instances prior to this one the BBC came out and said these people are freelance they are entitled to their opinions on their private Twitter feed, and it's got nothing to do with their day job when they're working for us. But this time, it was all very different. So, why don't you walk us through what happened this time, mate?
0: So, the government, who've been a cunt as usual, um, released a—it was like a video or it was like a photo thing regarding their new policy towards migrants,
1: which, which just just to remind everybody, really, is to send them to a detention centre in Rwanda.
0: Rwanda a country famous for its prosperity, safety and no conflicts or disasters or tragedies in the past 100 years.
1: And also um, and also to deter human trafficking and help and help victims of of modern slavery, anyone suspected of being a victim of modern slavery is also going to be sent to Rwanda and have no legal protection against modern slavery. That's the policy. Just to be just to be clear on what Gary Lineker was complaining about. So his his tweet says um There is no huge influx. We take far fewer refugees than any other European countries. This is just an immeasurably cruel policy directed at the most vulnerable people in language that is not dissimilar to that used by Germany in the 30s. And I'm out of order. You're right. It is a very bold tweet. The thing is, it it gets bolder as it goes on.
0: Yeah? Well, The thing is, I wouldn't say his... His tweet is bold and it's punchy, but in relation to what it's describing, Lineker is responding to the the Suella Braverman announcement saying we must stop the boats and it's it's basically one step short of calling them actual nasty names yeah you know what I mean yeah. like instead calling them rats and like yeah. a disease and an infestation kind of thing it's it's very nasty from what you'd expect from the cunts that are in the conservative party
1: yeah as, as I read Lineker's tweet, you go through, there is no huge influx, that's 100% correct. We take far fewer refugees than other than major European countries, that is 100% correct. These are just facts. This is an immeasurably cruel policy directed at the most vulnerable people. And langu- vulnerable people. That bit is, it's clearly an opinion, but I, I, I don't think it's a controversial opinion in that sense. I think there's a, a huge amount of disquiet about this, about this policy, not to mention the fact that it, it's, it breaches international law. Um, the bit that's got him in hot water is the bit that he's talking about those people in language that is not dissimilar to that used by Germany in the 1930s, and that is the that is the bit that he's kind of got in, in trouble for. Now, before we talk about the impartiality bit, what's your thoughts on what you said about um, uh, the fact that they're using language similar to that used in Germany in the 30s? Because he's obviously talking about the Nazis, right?
0: Yeah. So what I would say is is that if I was a a um, man with, what is it, 9 million, 10 million followers on Twitter, and I was going to be tweeting something like that, I would be prepared for people to say, "Oh, you're calling us fucking Nazis. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that the policy and the policy wording is somewhat reminiscent of what the Nazis were saying in the 30s. It's saying that this is just what's going on here. Why, why are we doing this? Why are we being so compassionless? I don't even know if that's a word. Why are we so... Closed off. Why are we not helping the people that we contributed in their displacement? That's what he's saying. However, if I was tweeting that, you've kind of got to be aware that the imbeciles on Twitter are not fully going to appreciate that, and they're just going to say, you call, you call not, you call Shuna, "You're calling us Nazis. You're calling Rishi Sunak are next Adolf Hitler." You know, yeah. and those kind of cunts.
1: Yeah, I mean, what what I would say about it is that the short the short form sort of like format of Twitter takes away a little bit of your ability to have some nuance about that because I, I i think i think it would be a bit far to say that what the tories are saying is exactly what the tories were saying in 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 the the nazis were saying about you know jews in the 1930s but i i think what you can say is when you start talking about an invasion and a swarm and using the language that the home secretary is using it's not it's 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 the language of of like getting on for far right like freaks on the internet not what you're expecting mainstream politicians who are supposed to be responsible in their language to say the problem is everything i've just said there just takes a little bit longer and probably fills out a tweet a bit too far so i think part of it is you know he's angry he's punchy he's firing off a tweet he's shortened the wording a little bit and it does come across a bit stronger than perhaps he would if you gave him five minutes to to uh, to kind of craft his craft his opinion do you know what i mean and that is a, one of the pitfalls of twitter um so uh, you know uh, what what i would say is if people react to that by saying look that bit about 30s germany is a bit strong i think that that's I, i could see people coming back saying look comparing it to 30s germany is a bit strong we do have this concept of godwin's law where you know but you know but you know people sort of immediately fall back on calling the other side Nazis in an argument on the internet and it's kind of, it's unproductive, right? So I think you can say that in a short form tweet, he's probably come out punchier than he might have done and, you know, falling back on the other side are a bit like Nazis. is a. It's not the best way to make your argument, even if there is a problem with how far right this government is getting. I would say that. But that's not the reaction that people got. That's not the reaction that the government had and it's not the reaction that the BBC had to Linica's tweet. It was... To basically suggest that he should either withdraw the tweet or, or actually be, you know, lose his job presenting Match of the Day, and it's pretty obvious that the BBC uh, are under pressure from the Tories uh, when they did that, right?
0: Yeah. So basically, what's happened there is is that a man has tweeted his opinion about something that the government has done, which he has a right to do, and it's caused a massive uproar. And the reason it's caused such a massive uproar is that the BBC as an in- institution is a fucking disgrace. This is what this is all unpacked because what happened was the did he get suspended or did he decide to step away? I can't quite remember the kind of ins and outs of it, but it looked like the BBC had told him not to present Match of the Day. He he, he,
1: he was suspended on on the basis of of like impar, an impartiality breach, and Lineker was pretty pretty firm that he he believed that he'd broken no rules. Uh, not only that, he'd broken no rules uh, in a way that other people had broken no rules, and the BBC had happily said to, by the way. Andrew Neil, presenter of a political program, is fine to give his opinions, right? So why isn't someone... Does he not it? have
0: his own... He has his own magazine, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spectator, well, am I he, making that up?
1: He, well, he was the editor of a right-wing magazine while he was presenting BBC's political content. And, and they just said, as long as he just does his job without kind of displaying his political views while he's presenting, that's fine. Even though, when you're presenting a, 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 a political show like that, you can be... Um, giving more or less weight, in subtle ways, more or less weight to one side of the argument or another, and, 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 and actually having a bigger influence on, on the political like editorial policy of the BBC. Whereas Gary Lineker, he presents the football. That is literally sure, what all he does.
0: Well, that's why it's interesting, is that Andrew Neil got a, an easy time of it because the right-wing magazine that he writes for also happens to align with the political party that's funding the BBC. That's, that's the reason they were fine with Andrew Neil, whereas Gary Lineker isn't a Tory. That's why they didn't like it.
1: Well, th- this this is what's come out, is that basically the BBC has come under a huge amount of pressure from like the Tories over the past decade or more. Every time that the government aren't happy with something the BBC are doing, they threaten their funding, and they put them under pressure. And every time there is an appointee, to like a senior position in uh, in the BBC that the Tories have an influence over, not only is it someone sympathetic to the Tories, it's a member of the Tory party, or it's someone who's who's, who's made a fucking loan to Boris Johnson. So the what it's laid bare is that the BBC is basically in... The B, the Tory party's got the BBC in a headlock, is how I'd describe it. Basically, the BBC is holding a gun, that has got a gun to its head, held by the Tory party, which is making it act in, in ways that are blatantly... Like it, I mean, this was just ridiculous because the BBC didn't have a fucking leg to stand on. And then look, everyone's followed this in the news. But all the other BBC Match of the Day presenters said, if you if you suspend Garlinica, I'm not going on either. All the all the players. I am all, Spartacus. Didn't yeah, it? All the players said, well, I'm not giving any interviews in those circumstances. Uh, you know, and and the BBC suddenly had, oh shit, we, we what are we going to do? And rather than cancel Match of the Day, they basically said. We'll, what we'll show is we'll show the highlights on their own. The problem is because of the deal, because of their deal with the Premier League, they're not allowed to show too long highlights because Sky have paid a lot of money to be able to show more of the football themselves. So the match of the day was 20 minutes long without Gary Lineker.
0: It must and have just shown goal, 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 and that was it.
1: It's hugely embarrassing for everybody involved. You know, the commentators... So they're allowed to... to sh- up- sorry, go
0: ahead. Sorry. Mark. Are they allowed to show more because there's punditry in between?
1: Basically, on a on a Saturday night, there is a limit to how much footage of matches the BBC is allowed to show in their contract. Because you know what it's like the, the Sky negotiates, and then BT Sport negotiating pay billions of pounds or however much they've paid for the right to show the matches. I think don't don't in the in late afternoon or tea time the Sky are allowed to show like reruns of, of certain matches after, you know, on a Saturday afternoon, after all the, all all the games have been played, the Sky have have paid a lot of money to show what they can show. And BBC's, BBC's footage is limited. So they're not allowed to show that much. So the, so match of the day essentially sells itself on the basis of analysis of the matches by experts. Now, whether you, whether you think the pundits on match of the day are any good, that's what the show is. And the BBC found itself in a situation going, Oh fuck, we Without Lineker and the other the other presenters, we don't have a show. And it and they basically had to, to perform a, a massively embarrassing U turn and, and let Lineker back on. And I mean, probably probably the what this unpacks, as you say, is that it highlights underlying issues of the BBC, doesn't it? And I think you kind of laid your sort of colours to the mass there a little bit by saying you believe the BBC's a disgrace. I think I think that's the topic, isn't it? What what do you think of the BBC as a result of all this, and what do you think is going on at the BBC to make this happen?
0: Um, well, I think I think for our listeners who don't quite understand why we're talking why we're saying the word impartiality that much, because there might be some people who don't live in the UK listening. Impartiality with relation to the BBC is that when be the BBC present the news, they in quotation marks because Laura Koonsberg is an existing person and she's a cunt, but in quotation marks they're not meant to take a side. They're meant to yeah. say the conservative party have done this today labor have done this today etc when it comes to anything political and there can be you know two sides to the coin anything else like you know a car crash on the the M8 nothing you don't really have to worry about impartiality but they can't say Boris Johnson made a cunt of the COVID lockdown restriction. Matt Hancock is a smelly, sweaty prick. They can't say anything like that because apparently someone's going to get offended. Mm-hmm. Sky News don't give a fuck, and in America they don't give a fuck. CNN absolutely hate the Republicans, and Fox News hate the Democrats. So it's a bit of an unusual,
1: yeah, the the it's reg- a bit
0: an unusual thing we find ourselves in, isn't it? So, so
1: the regulation of television broadcast news, I think, is is stronger than it is in, in places like America because all, all news channels have got uh, c- can be pulled up for for telling outright lies right but the bbc's in a, in a specific position because it is you know government funded taxpayer funded and it's a public service broadcasting entity it's got a responsibility under its charter to not take a side and the that impartiality we'll probably have to unpack that in a minute that that creates all kinds of headaches for the bbc because if if a, if a tory politician or a labour politician whoever, whoever's in the government says something that is proven to be untrue you get people lining up fucking Murdoch right wing pressure groups all of these people kind of lining up to go oh they're not impartial because they said they said the government was lying and it's like even if they, even even if they, so they have to actually take a step back. It, like for example, something like the environment, it's like they'll have to say, "Oh, some people think global warming is real; some people don't." Rather than say, 99 percent of people um, think uh, the environment, you know, climate change is real," and, and the one percent who who um, who don't are are doing so based on you know deliberately flawed and, and and fake information. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to state facts if they if they prove one side right or wrong basically so impartiality has become this massive kind of set of handcuffs on the bbc and the other the other side of it is you pointed to like the thing on laura kunzberg is that despite historically there's been this perception and they love to play this out in the right-wing press that the tories this kind of you know lefty you know woke kind of bastion of like you know champagne socialists actually bbc news for a start has got lots of Tories working for them and has been accused of being very slanted in favour of the Tories and Brexit over the past kind of seven or eight years. So it's it's really... The whole impartiality thing is a fucking can of worms, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and that's... That's why the whole Gary Lineker thing became very baffling, didn't it? Because he's not really a news presenter and... That's why kind of it it kind of uncovered loads of holes and cracks with the BBC's kind of logic and arguments. So, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, mate. So, it's it's very strange because they should be allowed to criticize politicians. I think the show Question Time sort of shows that, doesn't it? Because you have Question Time, and you have Fiona Bruce, who's a fucking idiot. And she'll ask questions to the audience. The audience will say, "Well, why did this happen? Why am I not? Why are the government cu- uh, giving themselves pay rises and I'm getting an increased tax on my wage kind of thing?" And it's slagging them off. But Gary Lineker can't do that. You know, Gary Lineker isn't actually employed by the BBC. He's pr- he's basically freelance.
1: That's the whole. That's the whole issue. Andrew Neil was freelance. Chris Packham is freelance. Gary Lineker is freelance. You know, Andrew Neil can come back and present the show on on the BBC if they decide to give him a contract to do that. Um, but he's also doing whatever he does. He might go off and do a documentary. He might do whatever he's doing. He left the BBC because he, he he was part of the launch of uh, GB News, which is the a fucking. It's basically like take the worst like YouTube cunt who thinks like who believes in all the right wing conspiracy theories and pretend that's a news channel and that's GB News. But ba- basically, this has been going on for a long time. I mean, we noticed the government was putting the BBC under pressure over the arms to Iraq thing with Tony Blair totally fucked his legacy over the Iraq war and they put huge amounts of pressure on the BBC for saying bear in mind what the BBC said they reported someone saying that, this, that the dossier about you know, uh, Saddam's weapons of mass destruction might have been sexed up a little bit, which is now recognised as 100% true. But that got people sacked at the BBC. So it, there's, there's, there is history of this. And ever since the Tories came in in 2010, they've been putting pressure on... Every time the BBC said something, the night well, we'll have to review your licence fee, which, again, for... um. For people listening who who aren't aware of this, I think most you know even even our overseas might be aware of this. The BBC is funded by a license fee. It's not for, by direct taxation because I think they always wanted the funding to be ring fenced and not something that could easily just be sort of taken out. So the BBC's got no funding, and it means that everybody pays like a hundred odd pounds a year for a TV license to watch any television, even if they don't watch the BBC, and that's controversial in itself. So any time the BBC says. Oh, uh, unemployment's up. Uh, the You know, people are asking questions about the government's kind of economic policy. The BBC, the, the government will go, we're going to have to review the BBC's funding, you know, the licence fee. I don't like the way this is going. And the BBC, have, over time, got increasingly timid around the Tories. But what's happened over the last couple of years is it's got increasingly blatant because with Boris Johnson in charge, all of the things that, you, that we've been pissed off about the Tories about have become increasingly blatant. Policies that only serve the 1%. Um, uh, corruption... Uh, everything going down the tubes, lying, all, all the shit that's going on in the BBC, you know, criminalising the poor and, uh, and and immigrants. All of it has become increasingly blatant under Johnson, and the 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 um the attempts to control the press under Johnson have become increasingly blatant. They tried to sell off Channel Four as punishment for you know asking asking tough questions which is their job channel 4 is another news channel which is not publicly it's publicly owned but not publicly funded and they said oh we're going to privatize it and the whole thing was a shambles and with the bbc they've got they they've put people in charge that are actual Tory politicians are in senior management positions at the BBC now. You've got a guy who was appointed to like managing director or chairman of the BBC who just before he was appointed gave Boris Johnson or helped Boris Johnson Lange an £800,000 loan facility. It's so blatant. Laura Koonsberg is clearly a a, a Tory sympathiser. And and what happens is you've got things going on like, even though the BBC is supposed to be impartial, it's increasingly the case that they won't report on anything that's uh, that makes any kind of argument against Brexit. That won't report anything that makes an argument against the Tories. Fiona Bruce, her husband is a prominent Tory and she's been given the job of presenting question time and people have noticed that she will stop and interrupt anyone starting to make a point on the panel in interrupting the government and then let some Brexit-supporting arsehole uh, ramble on for five minutes telling absolute lies. And it even got to the point where, when Boris Johnson's dad has been accused of beating his wife up, she immediately jumped in and said, "Oh well, but yeah, he only did it the once, and his friends said that it was uh, it was an isolated incident, and he's otherwise been a terrific husband." And it's like what the fuck? And yeah, it's, become, it's become it's become so blatant that the Tories have have got their arm up the ass of the BBC, especially at least on the uh, on the news side. Um, yeah. What, what, what's your view of the BBC generally? As an institution, the, the fact that you have to pay a licence fee to watch and everything else. Overall, what's your view of the BBC? Cunt.
0: <laughs> That's a pretty, yeah. Uh, so you want to expand on one that? World, one world, five letters, cunt. I just, it's it fucking does my tits in that you can't have an opinion. Like, you can't vocal, you can't have a vocal opinion about something that is so fucking awful. Like, it's, they're sending migrants to Rwanda because they don't want to deal with the people that they displaced from places like Syria
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Iraq and all these places. They've been displaced because of our interventions and fuck ups in the Middle East. And this isn't just this isn't just Middle Eastern migrants. This is like migrants all across the world. We have a duty to take in people that need help. It's not nothing to do with your political alignment. Yeah, it's just being a good up, fucking yeah. human being.
1: And we've signed up to it under international law. We've signed up to the Convention on Refugees.
0: Exactly and if you think someone is doing something so cowardly and horrible and you have an opinion on it, say it you shouldn't be allowed to not say it it's ridiculous so you're, and, you're, and what's what, sorry whats what, what makes me think the BBC are content is that they have this impartiality rule but it's it's so impossible to navigate the the political sphere and the political news with this stupid rule. The presenter can just say the news and then if you want to have a discussion like you do on Question Time, you're going to have people calling them fucking assholes or agreeing with them and it's it's just part and parcel of people having opinions and they're trying to stop a guy having an opinion because it doesn't align with the people that fund... The Tory party. It's ridiculous. they are a bunch of spineless fucking cunts who employed pedophiles for fucking years and are getting annoyed at Gary Lineker and suspending Gary Lineker for fucking having an opinion while they employed fucking Rolf Harris and Jimmy Savile and all these fucking other pedos for fucking years and did fuck all about it. they are a fucking bunch of useless fucking cunts who put the money up for the fucking uh, TV license for fuck all reason because the quality of the fucking TV doesn't get fucking better, does it? You bunch of fucking useless, smelly fucking... Tory pig cunts.
1: I think you've made your views very clear <sighs> there, mate.
0: Fucking smelly bastards, man. So I don't I don't watch live TV, so I don't fucking pay the TV license, and I'm still fucking getting annoyed at them. So stupid assholes.
1: So what what I'm picking out from that is that notwithstanding the Rolf Harris and Jimmy Savile, some of the historical problems, which were systemic issues that that, that, that transcend politics. It seems to me that the majority of your concerns around the BBC at the moment are to do with their relationship with the government at the moment, right? And the influence that it's having on BBC News and political and editorial content. Is that fair to say? That's that's the, the that's the predominant part of, the, of your problem with them at the moment.
0: Yes, they're, they're too fucking scared to just put adverts in, so they can have other funding sources other than the government, so that because they don't do that because we don't have adverts on our t- on our bbc one and two they have to not say anything bad about the government they've put themselves in a stupid fucking position i understand not wanting to slag off the hand that fucking feeds you and obviously i wouldn't go about saying if i if i just started going about saying oh well my employers are fucking idiots aren't they you know what i mean like it's obviously going to get you in trouble but at the end of the day it's such a unique thing to be involved in or presenting or covering or, you know what I mean? Like that's what they have to do. They have to present the news and they're it's only impartial because they don't want to, they don't want to upset mummy and daddy. Basically that's what it is. They're, only, they're not impartial out of some sort of nobility. They're not being impartial because they think that's the way the news should be presented. They're only impartial because they get funded by the fucking government. It's ridiculous.
1: So, if I could mount a, a defence on their behalf on parts of this, I'd like to I'd like to do so. the 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 impartiality and public service part of their broadcasting wasn't wasn't an issue as much as it is now in the past because the the idea of impartiality previously was to do with editorial independence. And the same thing with the license fee was that it was intended to give the BBC editorial independence and at the same time, not to take a political stance so that people could actually rely on the BBC's news and, and the political content. So if the BBC said unemployment figures are up and if the BBC says the IMF have come out and said that the government's economic policy is flawed, you could rely on that, you know? And the government wouldn't have to be, so the BBC wouldn't have to be afraid of the government and wouldn't have to be afraid of anyone if they want to report what's happening they have to do so in a, in a sensible way um, and the, the problem with, with that with advertising is that the advertising and sponsorship and everything else comes from somewhere which 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 comes with strings attached and if, if the if the if the adverts are coming from companies who are despoiling the environment or have you know rupert murdoch behind them or are you know have political agendas of their own or don't want to pay any tax or anything like that they can then hold the bbc to ransom the way that they're currently doing the great betrayal here if you ask me is that this government and i'm I, when i say this government i mean everything since 2010 have taken this to the worst possible level i mean tony blair has to bear some responsibility for this as well because he sacked people at the bbc uh, or had people sacked at the bbc for for challenging him on 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 iraq and i think that was the that was the start of of a serious problem because the bbc's impartiality and the bbc's public funding used to be an asset and the problem you've got now is that the BBC's funding is being cut, even though the licence fee is, it continues to go up. The BBC's funding overall goes down because the government is cutting it and threatening it and limiting it, it what it can do in a, in a number of areas. And I I think that, personally, there's a lot of BBC shows, BBC shows that I watch. I think there's a lot of things the BBC does as its overall broadcasting, its radio, its children's content, everything else is actually still really good. Personally, Leaving aside those historical issues, which we might come back to, ninety-nine percent of my problem with the BBC is the fact that the Tories have got a gun to their heads, and the political interference in in the BBC, which was the whole point of the BBC to be free from that, is is the great tragedy here, and 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 the, the underlying problem we've got in our in our system, the reason that Parliament has been powerless to stop some of the shit that boris johnson's been doing suppressing information about russian interference in our elections corruption breaking the ministerial code lying to parliament all of these things that they're doing all of this stuff highlights this serious weakness in our system and the, the the enforcement of the rules that are supposed to apply don't stand up because everyone's just expected to go along with it it's like, it, it dates back to this, oh, a, a gentleman wouldn't do that. So we, as long as we say you shouldn't do that, it won't happen. And Boris Johnson's like, fuck you, I'll do what I want. And treats the BBC like his personal mouthpiece and makes sure that the only people who are, who are on there are people like sympathetic to him. And nothing can be done about it because we checked the rules and said, oh, actually, there's nothing we can do about this. They're meant to just resign if they're caught doing it. And in the same way that Boris Johnson should have resigned, you know, fucking years before he did for breaches of all kinds of rules of parliament and half his cabinet ministers should have done the same. They don't because the system doesn't force them to because it's not that well regulated. Our The weaknesses in our system have allowed the BBC to be changed from what it was meant to be. And my, my defence is that 90% of that is is what the Tories have done to it. And if you took the Tories out, the BBC could get back to being what it... What it's meant to be, and that that is my defence of them.
0: Fuck them, <laughs> they're spineless. Like you, you've made a very adequate defence of them, but at the end of the day, they need to have a spine. They don't. They're comp- they've got no backbone. Yeah, but every, Gary Lineker, anyone, anyone that works for the BBC, whether it's a permanent contract or out of freelancing, should be allowed to say. You guys are cunts because you're sending migrants to Rwanda, even though they could be fuck from fucking anywhere. They could be from Syria. Oh, no, I'm in Rwanda. Well, this is great, isn't it? You're allowed to criticise that ridiculous policy and not be suspended from work and have a big rigmarole and hoo-ha about it. You should be allowed to tweet and say whatever the fuck you want. What should have happened was the BBC should have said nothing about it. They should have said fuck all about it. Impartiality with relation to the BBC should be stuff that is on the BBC. And they need to start with cunts like Fiona Bruce and Andrew Neil and all these fucking assholes and Laura Koonsberg who would take these angles and do these little things where they don't let people that support Labour or Lib Dem, Green, SNP and don't let them speak, but let Tory speak. They need to start with shit like that that's actually on BBC one, two, three, four, and on the radio and whatever. They need to start with that and completely ignore stuff that is put on Contractors or employees of the company's social media accounts. That's that's what they should have done. They should have said, "Oh, Gary, little well, Gary Lineker's tweeted about the government being cunts." Oh well, that's fuck all to do with us because it's not on the BBC. That's 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 what it comes no, down to. No, that I, is what it comes down to.
1: I I agree. The current BBC is spineless. I mean, a particularly good example of them being spineless is the fact that they're not broadcasting one particular episode of the new David Attenborough show. Because it talks about environmental damage, and they're afraid of a right-wing backlash. Because apparently, right-wingers don't want anyone to talk about the the climate crisis anymore. And it is spineless. You're right; it is spineless and it's weak. The problem that you got is that anyone who isn't spineless has been drummed out of the organisation, at least on the news side. On the on the, the the editorial programming side, they continue to make programs highly critical of uh, of the government. You look at like the the Small act show that they did, um, which was highly critical of. You know, uh, you know past periods of British history exactly the sort of thing that, 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 that the Tories hate they still do that in other areas of the BBC but the you know Emily Maitlis is a really rock-solid journalist who was not I mean all she did was if you remember was that she uh, was talking about the Dominic Cummings thing do you remember we said oh I went I drove to Barnard Castle to test my eyes and then I drove back and and it, it was blatantly obvious to everyone that he'd broken the rules And all all Emily Maitlis said was, reading his description of what he did, that sounds to me, you know, it, it, it seems, you know, when you look at the rules and you look at what he said, that seems like a breach of the rules. And everyone in the country thinks that he's broken the rules. And she was censured for that. And Emily Maitlis said, fuck this. And she's left the BBC and she's operating on her own. Anyone with a backbone has been drummed out of the BBC news area. And they've been replaced with... this. It's a coup. It's been a coup by the, by the government. And because they're such fucking... They're not fucking particularly bright. They're not very good at hiding what they're doing. That's why I mentioned Channel 4. Nadine Dorries very clearly set up a policy to sell off Channel 4 as punishment for the news channel, the BBC doing its job and asking her tough questions. And it was so obvious because she was one of the ones being asked questions. And you could just see that she was fuming about what they did. And then she like tells lies to Parliament about oh, 96% of people support what we're doing, when actually 96% of people specifically disagreed what she was doing, claiming that the ch- that Channel 4 gets, gets um, public money. And everything that they do is underpinned by the Daily Mail, the Murdoch Press, the Daily Telegraph. The BBC has been cornered and anyone in the news and editorial side with the balls and the principles not to put up with this is gone and all the people that would be in charge of the BBC and make the decisions you described that they should absolutely make they've been replaced with Tory mates of Boris Johnson it's it's what what, what I, I think what I'm saying is, is that if we were talking about the Metropolitan Police I'd be saying the exact same thing about them the there are members of the rank and file need to be drummed out because there's clear problematic culture there but the real problem is the people at the top who've got who've allowed this culture to put in there uh, to to like to be fostered in 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 the met police and are there because they've been appointed to the job by the most corrupt and bloody compromised politically and internationally compromised government in this country's history and if you were to rip them out and sort, get rid of the people who are fucking this up and, and, and take the institution back to what it's meant to be, you could have something that works. My argument with the BBC is that it needs to change, but what needs to change is a political change. It's, I mean, we'll probably gonna have to wait till the next election, but all of that, all of those Tories need to be drummed out of the BBC. And personally, I think if you, if you did that, I think you could see the BBC come back to be more like it's meant to be. So it's not that I'm disagreeing. I'm as angry with you about what they're doing I'm trying to see where the problem lies. And personally, I don't think it's a case of the BBC itself is at fault for this. The BBC is at, is at fault for, for being too, like you say, too weak to do something about this. But they've been weakened by the Tories. The Tories have done this. It's all part of their cultural distraction from their own failings. And I, I believe the BBC could be saved, but they it needs to be saved by external intervention. Someone needs to come in yeah, and Yeah, me. Let me fucking and take and them rip, over. And rip those yes. I mean it's I'd it's, make it look like a fucking abattoir. It's it's a it's a different story to some of the previous stuff. The whole stuff with Jimmy Savile was it was a fucking disgrace the the Martin Bashir uh, incident. Have you heard about the Martin Bashir stuff with Princess Diana? Hey,
0: the Princess Diana thing where they forged documents to say yeah. that um, Charles had been doing shit or some stuff like that. And then, and, then and it the, was and, all... then,
1: and then when a when a guy actually revealed what Martin Bashir had been doing to his managers, they sacked that guy and said he'll never work at the BBC again. Things like the coverage of the Cliff Richard arrest. That stuff you can't blame on the on on Tory intervention. That is that is the BBC has to, has to hold its hands up to those things. But I, I do think that like the, the majority of what the BBC... I mean, frankly, if you got rid of the BBC News and just fucking got rid of that, I think the rest of the BBC as an institution would run really fucking well. Um, and you've got, a, you know, you've got a separate problem about having news that people believe because the, 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 you've got so many people who don't believe the so-called mainstream media anyway that BBC News has sort of become irrelevant. I mean, people who people who want the facts and people who've got like a, a, an honest and fair kind of, in my opinion, view of the news can see what's happened to the BBC's news output and, and, and is, you know, disappointed with how, how the Tories have kind of fucked it. The kind of, the, the, the kind of people that w- would like that sort of thing, hate the BBC so much, they still think the BBC are a fucking Marxist entity because they're, they're just fucking like brainwashed by, by the far right. I don't understand why the BBC is doing this because the BBC is essentially doing the bidding of people that hate them anyway. This is like like hanging out and trying to be mates with the school bully. The school bully is always going to fucking hate you and is always going to keep hitting you and is always going to humiliate you in front of everybody and you think that what you're doing is going to get you an easier life and it really fucking isn't because all you're doing is, you know, uh, appeasing people who are going to continue shitting on you. I
0: it's fascist it's completely fascist
1: it is it's absolutely despicable what, what what the government is doing and it's so blatant uh you know that the, the budget the budget cuts the intimidation i mean this is the other thing is that when this happened right the bbc the bbc was clearly had its arm twisted by the tories to say you can't let Linica say this suspend lineka and then when Linica kind of uh Stood up to them, and everyone said, "Yeah, well, yeah, the BBC actually can't do that. There's nothing in his contract preventing him doing what he's doing." And everyone took Liniker's side. The same Tories came out and said, "Well, you see, this whole incident is why we should, uh, is why we should like defund the BBC." And it's like you fucking pricks! This is exactly what they're doing. And uh, I mean, the, the funding problem. I mean, we, we could talk about the funding problem of the BBC. We've got a real problem. I, I think the BBC needs to continue to exist because without them. Our media would turn into what the Americans have got. And we do not fucking want that. Rupert no. Murdoch is queuing up to turn our media into that. The Daily Mail is fucking dying. The Daily Mail fucking supported Hitler during World War II. And I'm never gonna stop I'm never gonna stop uh, being reminded of that and reminding anyone who listen to that. Fuck them. They are queuing up to turn the British media into exactly the kind of shit you get in America. And the the, B, the bbc is the only thing stopping that being the case because the the regulation of 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 television news and broadcasting and the fact that the bbc does a a public service part of of its broadcasting is the only reason itv has to do anything equivalent because itv looks at what the bbc does and has to compete with it and other other shows can't just be completely yeah, well, they a lot of them are, but the, the other shows realize that if they don't have that, the public will look at them and go, "Well, I don't like what you're doing." The BBC has better stuff on there, and without without that, our fucking media landscape, the culture of this country would be in a fucking parlous state. So, and and that's your problem with your funding because if you turn it into into, into advertiser led, I think you would lose what the BBC currently is. It would turn into it would turn into ITV and ITV News is part-owned by the
0: Daily Mail. <laughs> Right now, that's a better option. I'm sorry, but I'd rather watch it for free and have adverts for fucking Nest Cafe and all that fucking shit than knowing that the news isn't going to be entirely truthful and it's going to be a bunch of lies and an organisation that has got such a dirty history. I'd rather they just scrapped it all and said, look, you're going to get adverts in between the one show and... EastEnders. I'd rather they just did that, because right now, that is a better option than the pile of shit we've got right now. If, if you Rip it apart from top to bottom.
1: If you ask me, first of all, I think that's punishing the rest of the BBC for what the news is doing, and two, I think it would end up just as bad as it is now, and I think if we're, if we're at that stage, I'd rather just scrap
0: BBC News and have but the rest then, of the BBC. Then good. then good, because we're fucking paying for it. I'm not paying for it, but you, I imagine you've got a TV licence. I don't yep. watch live TV. I watch Netflix, and I watch... Everything on demand and not iPlayer because fuck that. I get my I get my highlights from Sky Sports football for free on YouTube, so I don't need a TV license. So I would rather we weren't funding it because that way, if it's funded by advertisement and they're biased, then who gives a shit? Who gives a shit?
1: I no, you know also, what I mean? They're yeah. being
0: funded They're yeah. being funded by fucking Domino's adverts and fucking adverts for your new Adidas trainers. But who gives a shit if they're not impartial? But right now they're not impartial. And it's being paid for by all the fucking people that pay for the TV license. Well, look, all I would
1: say is, if, if that's where we are, scrap BBC News and just have the license fee for the rest of BBC programming. Because the rest of BBC Fuck programming him. is fine. And, and, but what what I would like to see is, I would like to see proper regulation of this. The The reason we've got the TV license is that if, if the BBC was funded through normal like, taxpayers' money, it would be so vulnerable to being cut because what's happened over the past thirteen years under the Tories is that they've brought in a load of cuts to public services, which has left this country on its fucking knees, and didn't need to happen. There's no way they'd have maintained funding of the BBC in that time. The licence fee allows it to be ring fenced and protected, but you've got problems with the licence fee, which is that there are people on very little money who are paying, you know, a, you know, quite quite a large sum to to pay for something that, and and you look at some of the channels, it's like, oh yeah, they really care about the latest fucking you know antiques you know program that they, they, they you know basically are you know working three jobs and and in rented accommodation that they they're paying for something that's not for them i get all of those challenges with the license fee the problem is is that the license fee is the only way to protect well i say it used to be the only way to protect the you know the funding of the bbc from this kind of political interference what but what, what we need to do is if anyone had the political will to actually pass a law that prevents what's happening from the government from happening. Because we've just got this horrendous corrupt government that no one can do anything about. I mean, if you if you basically made it, uh, 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 if you expanded the legal definition of treason in this country to say it is treason to be Rupert Murdoch, and it is treason to work for the Daily Mail, punishable by life imprisonment. And just put them in prison for the rest of their lives. Just, just say you know that that it's it's treason to be them because you work for, you work for foreign powers. You're out. Anyone who tries to attack the BBC is committing an act of treason. You would actually be able to say, all right, let's let's reduce the license fee a little bit. Let's protect people. Let's say you know t- take people off it. But at the moment, the problem is the BBC News. It all comes down to the BBC News, which isn't doing its job anyway because the Tories have got it under control the if you ask me though it all stems from this government and I, I i hesitate to punish the bbc for what is being done to them by somebody else it's the equivalent and i might be dramatizing this a little bit of you know uh, a, a woman who is you know a woman who's been you know abused by her husband is you know shoplifting to kind of feed herself and all you do is punish her for shoplifting and not punish the person who's who's put her in that situation the tories are doing this the Tories are the ones that need to have action taken against them. And I just
0: hesitate. Yeah, that's to be not the... going to happen, is it? No. That's but... not going to happen.
1: I, I just feel like... You know what I mean? Like The to Tories, the the
0: tories to say... had a fucking party the fucking day after Prince Philip died, and we were all meant to be in our house, sat, not doing anything or outside seeing anyone. They were having parties at Christmas when folk were in hospital. There were a thousand deaths a day, and the Tories were having fucking drinks. You had Tories going to fucking Barnard Castle, attest that I say. It's not going to happen. What happened with the, the party gate? Um, scandal is that it was invested by a woman who's a better cover up artist than 90% of the tattoo artists I know. Yeah. She's an absolute scumbag. So, what will happen with these things is that nothing, there'll be no accountability. If the Labour government come in charge, you think Keir Starmer's going to have enough time to go, oh, well, that was a bit naughty what you did to the BBC? It's not going to happen. There's no accountability. The question I was going to ask you was the licence fee currently stands at what, 150 odd pounds a year? Yeah. Is it higher now? Is it 170?
1: You know what, I haven't checked. It's
0: something, it's in that ballpark. It was like 140 the last time I paid for it, eight years ago. But... It's 159 pounds. 159 pounds. I would rather the BBC was funded by adverts and the TV license wasn't a thing and that money went to the NHS as some sort of like bursary to the NHS per person per year. That's I, all I'm saying.
1: If, if I was going to do it, I would go subscription. I would go subscription model. Because I think a lot of people would actually continue to pay for the... Would be happy to continue to pay for the BBC. I think... I, I don't want any more fucking adverts. I don't want any more fucking profit-making you know corporate pricks. Uh, pulling the strings of, of the media. I would prefer it when subscription... If you want to watch the BBC, you pay a subscription, and you could give people a cheap version where they get some of the programmes. They don't get iPlayer, they don't get everything else. And if people want the full BBC, I reckon enough people would pay for it that they would uh, they would get it. And I think you should like you could take the uh, the shackles of the BBC from like exploiting, making money, selling you know selling off it, it shows, uh, you know selling selling content wherever they want to sell it. I, I would I would let them do it that way. I, w- I wouldn't want advertising because I think advertising just puts you know when you've got th- some of the history of things that have happened in america where like advertisers you know said oh you can't have black people you know on the television you can't have this you can't have that fuck them i'd rather it went subscription but i, I personally i think you could solve this problem just by scrapping bbc news just scrap bbc news
0: yeah but i don't like the idea of having to pay a tv license to watch live tv when you're already paying however like 80 pounds a month for sky sports why the fuck should you have to pay another how much is hundred and sixty? Why should you have to pay another twelve pounds a month just to watch live TV? I think it's fucking bullshit. I think it's nonsense. Well, I mean, I think the, it's the, a load the, of fucking shit.
1: Well, the other thing you could do is you could actually say that it's it, it comes out of public money because the the, the the thing is the actual cost of the BBC once you actually take into account the revenue the BBC makes the BBC is quite cheap. <laughs> but if you see, but if you funded out of taxation, there would just need to be some limit on on or protection against the government from you know using that as a you know a, a funding. Uh, you know like a, a a stick to beat the bbc with the problem is is that I, I i think personally i do think the bbc needs to exist and it needs to be funded and we've got no good way and people are just looking for the least bad way to keep funding it personally it might be that subscription model is the only way to go
0: uh, i don't know man i genuinely think the best the best way to do it would just give that money to the fucking nhs as far as i'm concerned. yeah
1: they wouldn't do that either they would they what would the government do with that
0: no, but I would rather it went to, or maybe not to the NHS, because the, probably the money that you would generate from that would probably only be around, I think there's probably just around a million licence holders with the amount of, like, homes in the UK. And I reckon you times that by 160, that's just 165 million, which is barely a fucking drop in the ocean for the cost of the NHS. But I'd rather that money went elsewhere. I don't want it to fund a fucking corrupt organisation that is a puppet of the the, the Tory the Tory party, or even any any government, because I don't trust any of them. I wouldn't trust Labour to do anything with that money. I would rather that money just was in other people's pot. It was just in our pockets, in normal civilian pockets. £160 extra a year to pay for some... Put money towards your bill, put money towards your food shop. Do you know what I mean? An extra £12 a month just for something, as opposed to being allowed to watch live TV when you can get free view channels. I think it's for, I think the idea of a TV license is a load of fucking shit. It's yeah. nonsense.
1: Yeah. The, the thing is, is that it, it's it, the, the license fee is the worst way, worst possible way to fund a public broadcaster, except for all the others. Uh, the The other problem that you've got is you, you look at all the countries that you'd like to live in. Right. And they've got a publicly funded BBC, you know, like pub, BBC style. Uh, broadcaster. Broadcaster. And all the countries that you wouldn't want to live in don't. So uh, the, the the problem we've got is that all of I, I totally understand all of your objections to the license fee. The pro the problem that we have is that you you look at all the, all the countries that you would say oh that's a decent country that's a decent place to live that's a country that's got its got its head screwed on and then look at all the list of countries that are absolute fucking hellscapes, and w- the good the good countries have all got public service broadcasting. So we need to find a way to fund it, and we need to find a way to protect it. Because as an institution, if you were to list the institutions that a country needs to be a decent place to live, public service broadcasting is one of them, and that is one of the problems that we've got. I get every, I get all of the complaints that you say. I, I, you know, they they have been spineless. The license fee is an unjust way to uh, to force people to use this. All 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 of these objections you're describing are true. No civilized country, no decent developed proper country that you would want to live in manages without public service broadcasting. And I'm not saying the TV license should stay and that your your arguments aren't valid. What I'm saying is, the problem we have, like a lot of these things, is how do we stop, how do we avoid losing something that we'd be very sorry to see gone after it's gone?
0: Well, I wouldn't be sorry to see it gone. Fuck them. Fuck them. I don't like any of them. Match of the day is redundant to me because YouTube exists. And Sky Sports put it on there for free. You don't even have to pay for it. And you watch three-minute highlights of all the goals. You get to watch Erling Haaland shag another team one week and then shag another team the next. And it's condensed into three minutes. Do you know what's the worst thing about the BBC? Is that they make you watch fucking Jermaine Genius and Danny Murphy. That's the worst of their fucking crimes. Is that you have to pay all that fucking money and all the money that the BBC get and that it's, it gets generated by. And they fucking get Jermaine Genius. Like it goes Jermaine Genius and Danny Murphy. Jimmy Savile. I'm sorry, but that that's a fucking disgrace. I say, oh, expert punditry. That's why match of the day is an hour and twenty minutes, why it's inflated instead of Jermaine fucking genius.
1: Again, i I personally don't think the 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 BBC spending all that money on, on football is football coverage is a great thing either and I, I don't watch match of the day and i don't think it's very good i'm just looking at the bbc as, a, as an overall the radio stations that it has all the different channels all the programs it provides all the factual programs that it does that nobody else does the public service like remit of the programs that it does the the, the programming they do for children the, the the stuff that they used to do with the open university to support people's learning and all of these things we would lose a huge amount without without them and I personally think you'd be throwing away the baby the bathwater if you say get rid of match of the day and stop the BBC paying for sports events apart from like you know World Cup and stuff where you actually get to watch the games live no problem with that and if you say get rid of BBC news because it's become irrelevant I actually wouldn't have a problem with that either but I don't think we would want to lose the rest of the BBC I think this country would suffer this country would be a lot worse as a result
0: do you know countries that don't have a TV license, my man? Would you like a few of them? Go on, in. Just a few of them. Like, there's some stinkers on here like Belarus. Nobody wants to... Uh, Belarus is a fucking Soviet puppet state. But we have... Australia doesn't have one. No, no, they had one and abolished them. The United States of America has never had one. Belgium. Bulgaria. No. Finland. Doesn't have one anymore. France doesn't have one. We just need to start doing what the French do and just fucking protest about it. Yeah, Burn them all. Well,
1: the thing is, they um they don't have a TV license, but they do have public service broadcasting.
0: Right, but I, and it, we already pay tax. I don't care if there's funding going towards the BBC, but it's the fact that we pay taxes and money on top of that.
1: I, we pay I, taxes
0: I and then. Yeah, I pay council tax, and then the council every so often will say, "Oh, yeah, we need to do some repairs to the building that you live in." And I tell them I'm not fucking paying for it because it doesn't need to be done, because I already pay my fucking council tax. You pay your tax, and that's it. It's fucking. It's yep. it's a load of shit. No,
1: no, I I I can totally get behind what you're saying. If we said scrap the license fee, pay for the BBC out of um out of taxpayers' money, give the BBC a lot more because the BBC makes like one point five billion pounds. Uh, in in its own revenue it gets about 3.2 billion pounds uh in in license fee money and then the rest of its of its budget is funded by its commercial how? activities around the world it, it can no no it, it sells don't. it sells programming to other countries and stuff like that like if you no, want that, the BBC that, world service fine, to other countries
0: so what what i'm saying how many is, tv licenses are there
1: i'm uh, look i'm not that, sure that I, can't I, be I, right. I i just looked at the public figures they make they get 3.2 billion pounds a year in, in in revenue from the tv license
0: that's nonsense because but let's wh- see how many people have.
1: All, all, all I'm saying is, is that if you need to fund them another way, and I get that, but you would need, you probably need to give the BBC more kind of leeway to like sell programming, you know, sell it to like, you know, sell it to streaming services abroad and stuff like that. Um, and you would need to find a way to protect that taxpayers' money from, in, from government interference. Now, you pass a law that says the government is not allowed to interfere with that taxpayer's money and the government is not allowed to interfere with with bbc news i think you solve 90 percent of the things you've got a problem with and i agree with all all your criticisms i think the solution to it is is hard to find but i I would agree with scrap the license fee fund it with in different ways including some taxpayers money you would need to pass laws to protect the bbc's independence if you do that but I, i i'd be prepared to see that happen
0: the Netherlands don't have a TV licence. They just get their funding from adverts. Just get your funding from adverts. Then it's n- then it's none of my business. I don't care if you're impartial or not. Because I'm not paying for it. I mean, I don't pay for it anyway, but I find it ridiculous that there are 25... Mi- I've just looked up. There are 25 million TV licence subscriptions. The thing I read was that there was a, a million increase, so that's where I'm getting confused. So there's 25 million TV licences. So... Those people are paying for it and not getting impartial news and it's just a corrupt organisation that they are paying for. But if it's paid for by advertisers, I don't fucking care.
1: Yep. Again, I agree agree with you. I agree with that. All I would say is the Dutch has a public broadcasting system which is funded uh, with taxpayers' money as opposed to a TV licence. Um, but they do have some adverts as well. So that's, in, that's interesting. They, they have a combination of taxpayers' money and adverts. Personally, I don't think you could do public service broadcasting without some, without some public money. But you know, you know what? You're probably right that the license fee is um, uh, is an outdated way of doing this. I, maybe it's just me being a bit of an old stick in the mud. I think we need to be cautious about how we make that change. Because a radical change can be really damaging. But I think the fact that anyone's even having this discussion about the BBC suggests that they're at a bit of a crossroads, doesn't
0: it? Fuck them. (laughs) If there's an extra. If there's £4 billion coming in from TB licence money, just put that back into other worthwhile causes. Fix the roads. Invest that into mental health care. You know what I mean? Just. Fuck up about your TV licence. Nobody cares. Get the adverts to pay for the TV. Like, it always should be done. And just let's let's get back to not giving a shit about that horrible organisation.
1: Okay, well, I, th- I think we're going to have to agree to disagree on the solution. I personally would say I think you could see a much better BBC and a much better country as a result... Um, if we made some other types of changes because the only way you're going to win the argument about things like funding for mental health is if we have a better public discussion about them because at the moment the government is managing to trick enough people into thinking the problems lie elsewhere other than for example mental health funding and the way that their economy economic policy works and without without a public discussion which lays that bare, you have what happens in america where in, in america the government is allowed to get away with saying oh yeah pub, you know we've got the best healthcare system in the world this uh, this is great this uh, health insurance scheme that we've got and no one is challenging that and if no one is challenging the government the problem is the bbc has been broken so that it's no longer part of the way to have that factual discussion what you could do is if you actually gave about a billion pounds a year save the rest of the money give a billion pounds a year to channel 4 news and let them have their own news channel that cuz they tell the truth on channel 4 um, that would probably solve the problem. Um, so I would I would say if you took the BBC's funding for news and gave it to Channel 4 and scrapped BBC News, I think we would solve all the problems. And you want to get rid of the match of the day? That fucking suits me as well. I think match of the day shit as well. So is there anything else that we think that needs to be said about the BBC?
0: No, they're arseholes. There we are. <laughs>
1: any other like recent events uh, or stories or things to talk about that uh, that uh, came up for you that you might like to tell the lovely audience about now mate
0: should i tell them about poopgate yeah go on so we're actually coming down to visit you um this weekend probably not by the time this pod goes out don't know when um but bringing the bringing the dogs down and i thought oh, i might i might take them to get their uh, just their claws clipped um, because if we are going to be playing with my little brother and you know all that kind of thing we want to avoid scratches and scrapes so I thought that would be a worthwhile thing to do so I go to pets at home now I wouldn't recommend the groom room in general because I've heard horrible things but just for a claw clip that's not a problem um and I went there for opening nine o'clock and they weren't quite ready yet I'd gone into the bit where they do the grooming and there was nobody there so I came back out went to the front desk and said look is that open? Because I was going to get my dog's claws clipped to it. Let me go get her for you. Just have a wee gander around the shop. So I did. And I had a look at some dentist sticks and some stuff for the do- uh, the dog's breath because it stinks a lot. And in that time I hear Obi kind of crying a wee bit and then he's doing a shit. I was like, oh dear. So I go, to the, go back to the front desk and I'm like, can I get some stuff just to clean this up? Some poo bags disinfectant toilet roll. Pick it up, put it all in the bag outside the shop to the bin because you don't want to leave... Bags are shite in the shop for the entire day when they've just opened. And I go back up towards the groom room thinking, yeah, they'll be ready now. And Mac starts to have a shit. And I was like, ah, fuck. So I go back to the front desk and I went, look, the other one's just done a shit now. Can I get the disinfectant, the lural and the uh, the poo bags? Pick it up, clean it, disinfect, back outside, put it in the bin. I go back into the shop up for a third time and I go, "All oh, right, they've got to be ready now. Come on, boys. And then Mac goes, for another shit. I go back down (laughs) by this point the guys at the till are fucking pushing themselves they're they're trying to do their work and they're just pushing themselves at me and I'm like can I get the Luro, the disinfectant and some poo bags please so I go up, pick it up spray it, put it in the bin outside and then the woman that was meant to be clipping their clothes and had been fetched for 10 minutes ago had been waiting for me (laughs) 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 picked up three bags of shite
1: what an absolute shit show, literally.
0: Oh, hey. Uh, so, yeah, they were on one yesterday. That's a good story.
1: Yeah, we're obviously looking forward to them. The, one of the dogs hasn't met our, my, our, my young, our, my youngest, your little brother, yet, so that's going to be fun. He's going to absolutely love having two dogs in the house for a few days.
0: Yep, it's going to be, uh,
1: yeah, well, it's gonna I'm be sure, wild. I'm sure there'll be some stories for the next uh, for the next pod.
0: Yeah, uh, one of them's coming over now. What, what do you want to say, Mac? Oh, he said "fuck the BBC." Oh, good boy! <laughs> oh, good boy! Who's that good boy?
1: I feel like he's been bribed with food to say that. <laughs> um, if there's if there's no other kind of stories or anything, while I, you could like think of anything else occurs to you, shall we pay Florida man a visit?
0: I think we should.
1: Uh, yeah, so y- 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 you know the drill by now. We like to uh, call out a few Florida man. Um, is one of the dogs licking something? Neither. He's
0: licking his balls. Yeah, he's I didn't want to say. Anything? He's licking his balls. <laughs> <boss. laughs> I thought it wouldn't get picked up in the mic, but he was giving it a good slop, isn't <laughs> he? I was like, please don't get picked up, and he's just going.
1: That, do- that dog is licking his balls loud enough to be picked up on the podcast microphone. That is quality. Um, <laughs>
0: it's just fucked off like my work here is done.
1: Uh, Okay, what what have we got here? Uh, First one is Florida woman rather than Florida man. Florida woman, uh, principal of a school, uh, resigns after sending a $100,000 check to a scammer claiming to be Elon Musk promising to invest millions in her school. (laughs) Florida man accused of driving 100 miles per hour in a 40 mile per hour zone told police he had to get his girlfriend to Taco Bell for a job interview.
0: That's a valid reason.
1: This is more about Florida's justice system rather than Florida man, if you ask me, but $10,000 reward offered for information on Florida man who left manslaughter trial for lunch and didn't come back. Good. That feels like they've let, let, the, let the side down a little bit. They're letting him just walk out of the courtroom when he's on trial. Um, what else is going on here? Um. Florida man impersonates a police officer by flashing a fake badge at and intimidating drivers including a real officer in an unmarked car who pulls him over and arrests him. Quite like that. Uh what else uh Florida man falls asleep while drinking beer during standoff with deputies. That's uh that's a tantalizing oh, story. Like He's being under siege from the deputies. Drinks beer and falls asleep. That's tremendous. He was <laughs> basically he was pulled into the pulled into a parking lot. Was being pulled over by the police, made an evasive manoeuvre, and was cornered in the parking lot. Um, he was he was had a standoff with the police, and was the copper was waiting for backup. And in the meantime, the guy carried on drinking. I think they were calling him out for drinking while he was driving. And he drank so much, he, f- he fell asleep. So it made it much easier for the police to arrest him. Oh,
0: goodness you know, gracious me.
1: Um, Florida, oh, oh, we have to look into this. Florida man, state representative. So that's a politician in the Florida uh, sort of Congress, Florida sort of state, whatever they call it, parliament falls for Bart Simpson-style prank during roll
0: call.
1: Oh, no. I think this is like the old Amanda Huggenkiss stuff. Uh, <laughs> In the Florida legislature, they wrote down for the for the Florida guy to read out the names Anita Dick and Holden Hiscock. So he, <laughs> he, he read out Anita Dick and Holden Hiscock when he was doing the roll call during a house vote. Oh, no. Only in Florida. Um, what else is going on here? Florida Florida principal ousted after parents' rage over Michelangelo's pornographic statue. Which is weird, because Florida's so much weird... I saw that. So Florida is this weird mixture of kind of mental, like doing crystal meth and kind of having sex outdoors. And, and then if their kids get to look at a picture of Michelangelo's David, they accuse him of pornography and get the teacher sacked. It's a very weird... It's basically the American mentality sort of maximized in Florida when they do that.
0: It's the Bible Belt on crack. Yeah. That it's was just, mental. It was a fucking statue. Yeah, it's, it's I've never understood that shit. It's That's, bizarre. It's yeah. just their general stuff.
1: Um, this is a good one. Florida man and Florida woman set off on a mission to smuggle cocaine into a prison, but fail when they were pulled over by the police uh, and arrested because they hadn't updated their license plates
0: their TV license, please.
1: No, they're, they're, you know, they, in America, you have to update your license plate every like few years. Uh, no, I was yeah, making
0: a joke about the TV license.
1: Oh, and I completely missed that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I but I don't understand.
0: You have to. You, that is, that's fine. I'll go fuck it myself. It's all good. Um, <laughs> so they update their TV license. Their TV oh, fuck! <laughs> ah! Yeah, it's they just update the license plates on their cars.
1: Yeah. Like how every, often? I'm not sure. It's. I think it might be every like year or something. It's, That's a pain in the dick. It's a why? We- I don't know. It is a weird thing in America where they will regulate the the registration plates on your car, but not how many guns you've got. It's just they're really they're really odd about the things that they give a shit about, aren't they?
0: That that Nashville thing was messy, wasn't it? Hmm. Again, it's not. It's but it's becoming. Uh, so regular now that it's. I'm not saying this to be coarse, but like I'm numb to it now. You know what yeah. I mean? I just see it on the news and I think, well, there's another one.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's more happens at a rate of more than one a day. They know what they need to do about it, and they're not going to do it. Oh, this is quite a good one. Florida woman pulls gun on McDonald's worker over missing menu item. <laughs> she, uh, she, <laughs> she, she went into McDonald's and and asked for some food that McDonald's doesn't serve. Uh, and when they said we don't serve oh, that, man. I don't know if she was asking for a Whopper or something, but she was basically asking for food. I mean, she was asking for egg and chips or something that McDonald's doesn't serve, and everyone knows that. And uh, and when they didn't have it, they pulled a the gun on her. So she's obviously watched uh, the film Falling Down and, uh, and kind of misunderstood how McDonald's works. But imagine being in Florida, not understanding how McDonald's works.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm, I've never had a gun pulled on me for that, but that's happened to me before when someone comes in to where I work, trying to return something from a different shop. <laughs> so I've and like I I won't even have noticed, and I'll go to do the the refund, and I'll scan it to process the refund, and it says item not like available, like the barcode's not read. Yeah, and it's because it's from a different supermarket. <laughs> and usually they're like, usually they're like, oh fuck, ah, I'll just go to that shop now. Um But one guy who's like, so I'll get a refund. I went, no. <laughs> It's not from here. <laughs> I was like, no. What do you want me to do? Uh, I mean, what but are you supposed you to gotta do? you got to watch, though. There was a, a woman, when I worked up in Aberdeen, she came in and she was, you know that way someone's pure friendly? Mm-hmm. And we're all assholes and you're not meant to be friendly? That instantly makes me think you're up to something. Mm-hmm. And she handed me this bag of stinking fish and she went, oh, that's not from here. Um... But she was trying to play it off that it was like a, something that I was needing to return. She tied the bag up and said, "Oh son, you can open that if you want, but I wouldn't it, it smells? Um, can I just go up and get another one?" <laughs> and so, I th- initially I was like, right. And as she she's basically walked up before I can say anything, I've opened the bag and it was from a different supermarket. It says clear as day on the, um, on the thing. It was from I think it was from Iceland. I don't work for Iceland. Um. And I went, hold on I take a tiny fucking minute. And she'd come down with a new a new thing of uh, frozen tuna. And I went, that's not from you. That's from Iceland. You're going to have to pay for it. She went, oh, I'll just leave it then. I was like, I like, mean we, we've got um, these self-checkouts, you know, the self-checkouts that everyone yeah. hates. I love them. I think they're great. Yeah. And they, they catch you out right away. It says, unexpected item in bagging area. Or oh, please remove the last item from the bagging area. Like, why just no working? Why just broken? This isn't working. And I'll go, and they've put three chocolate bars in, and not scanned a single one of them. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that there's your fucking problem. They're like, oh, ha, my mistake.
1: Mm. You don't catch the clever ones. <laughs> but I've never
0: had a, I've never had a gun pulled on me because of it. No, you know no, what I mean? No, like, yeah, I know.
1: Yet. <laughs> um, a couple, of, a couple of good ones. I think would be nice uh, to finish with. Uh, Florida man bitten by alligator after it knocked her after it knocked on his door.
0: I saw that. The guy got fucked up though, didn't he? Like arm and leg, like proper nasty shit. Oh,
1: it was quite bad, yeah, yeah.
0: I think people forget how dangerous these things are. I know they're they're practically dinosaurs, but have you seen the the footage of like an alligator enclosure at a zoo or a wildlife park? And the guy's got this big bucket of chicken and guts and stuff to feed all the alligators, Mm -hmm. and they're really excited. And an alligator manages to get another alligator's foot in its mouth. Yeah. And it thinks it's got the chicken and it's trying to eat it, but it's not budging because it's another alligator's foot. So it rolls to doing the the alligator death roll and rips off, rips off this other alligator's arm, starts eating it, thinking, oh, yes, I've got my chicken now. And the alligator that's now missing a limb doesn't give a shit. It's like, all right, cool, that's fine. They are
1: terrifying. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are weird. And and this one, which I quite liked, Um, Florida man uh, violates rules of his uh, drunk driving trial by trying to give uh, a pre-trial urine sample with an artificial penis.
0: Oh my God. So this is another funny story. So now the company I work for, they don't make you do drugs tests if you're a normal employee. But if you're a contractor and you're doing, like, a job for them that's going to take a few weeks or a few months, they do random drug tests. Mm-hmm. And this guy had been on it the night before. Not just alcohol. They wouldn't care if it was alcohol. But, you know, like, substances. Yeah. So he goes, oh, fuck, what am I going to do? So he gets his wife to pee in a cup. Mm-hmm. Gets it, takes it in, and manages to, like, do a little kind of jiggery-pokery, and that's the sample that he now gives. hmm Forgetting that his wife was out with him and was also on the same substances, <laughs> and she tested positive for two substances, right? <laughs> right. I so, thought, I thought you're gonna at this say. Point, that.
1: I thought. I thought you said that I tested the urine and found out he was pregnant.
0: But that would be funny. So anyway, they but they pull him in. And they say, "Look, you've tested positive for two substances here," and he goes, "Ah, oh, fuck." And he admits. He goes, "Oh yeah, it was my wife's pee. I didn't think I was gonna pass, and I didn't want to, you know lose the job." So they're like, right? They don't sack him on the spot. They don't care because he's a contractor. They don't, they don't kick him off. They say, right, no, you're going to give us a sample, and he tested positive for five substances. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, dearie me, good stuff, man.
1: Yeah, it's like people can be their own worst enemies sometimes, can't they? Yeah. Well. I hope we've given the, uh, the audience something nice to listen to. We had a very spirited uh, and, and occasionally heated discussion about the BBC. Um, probably more of a uh, kind of uh, sort of uh, fighting two sides of an argument than we normally do. But I think it was a, it was a healthy discussion. Um, we gave him a bit of Florida Man and some funny stories from your work. Is there anything else we want to share with the nice people?
0: Uh, check out the other podcast that we do every oh, month. Yep, it's a yep. kind of new format now. It's a lot more regular. It's instead of being a it's a it's called Double Real Film Podcast, and it used to be in two um, hefty uh, episodes, and they were very chunky. They would end up probably being about two hours each. So what we've done now is we've this is probably our second time doing the new format, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Where we we have like three hour long episodes instead of two two-hour-long episodes, we've kind of condensed it and streamlined it a little bit, and it just flows a lot better. It's a lot more regular, and it's a lot more manageable for when you're listening, whether you're driving or doing chores around the house. It's a lot more, oh, I've just got an hour to listen to something. It's uh, it's a lot better. So please go check that out.
1: Yeah it's still our sort of we still sort of like to bill ourselves as like the monthly magazine sort of film podcast it's like a film magazine but now what we do is we we drop uh, part of the month's issue in your feed like once a week over the course of the month so we keep you we keep you going through the month with our with our regular content the um, the double reel monthly was just dropped on Saturday and the features, which is where we talk about different films, like an old classic, a hidden gem you should watch, a, a remake that we slag off, stuff like that. But that's coming out on uh, on Saturday, uh, this this coming Saturday, the uh, the first of April. But uh, check it out. There'll be nice nice bite sized episodes for you to for pull up uh, when it, whenever you happen to listen, uh, whenever you happen to download something. Well, I think that's it. We just say say goodbye to the lovely people and hopefully speak to you soon
0: uh yeah thank you very much for listening you made it all the way to the end and thank you very much i hope you enjoyed it and we will see you next time i'm hoping that you'll tune in for the next one
1: this was the adamson's versus the bbc next time it'll be the adamson's versus something else the music was district 4 by kevin mcleod look forward to speaking to you next time